Hi, and welcome to Unapologetic Women, a podcast about current affairs, culture, politics, life, and how we got here. Brought to you by Tony and Sorsha. These are unscripted conversations about things we care about, not things we are experts in. Oh, and there's probably going to be a bit of swearing too. Hey, Tony, how are you? Good. How about yourself? Plowing through, plowing, plowing through. So today we're going to have a chat about what's happening in the world right now and absorbing everyone's brain capacity, the lovely land of, oh, that's a horrible way to say that, but the unknown land of COVID-19 coronavirus. That's right. Yeah. I've been thinking about you because you're a, you like many others are a social animal and a social being. And it's, it's interesting because when I talk to people like, how are you doing? I'm just like, I don't know. I'm an introvert. I like staying at home. I work from home. So this is like business as usual with a caveat, but how are you, how are you dealing with all of this? Yeah. I like, it's the little bits of not being able to go and like get a cup of coffee in the morning Mm. from wherever or like drive into town and have lunch with people or go for a drink after work like those are very normal weekly tasks for me so I think that's been a bit challenging but I've been working from home now for two and a half years and so the work from home piece is something I'm very used to and very acclimated to and that's been fascinating for me to see people really really struggling with this component of working from home and and these laundry lists of things that people are able to get done during the work. Like I saw a screenshot on someone's Instagram of like 7am, wake up, do like do gym workout, uh, 9am, cook breakfast, 10am, put load of laundry on, 11 calls, 12 lunch, two o'clock, check on laundry, like three o'clock, sort fridge, four o'clock calls. And I was like, what is no, that's <laughs> uh, that's not so that's work from home. Weird. No, that's not work from home. That's definitely not. <laughs> I have a feeling that there's a lot of corporations. I mean, you talked to me about this getting on the call with a well-known agency and talking about you know a bunch of things. I've had this as well of people just saying, "Well, you know, why don't we meet up? Let's talk about this when things go back to normal." And you're like, "Actually, I think this is the new normal." for the next couple of weeks, maybe months. So we can't just push things back. So it's just interesting that when it comes to the collaboration piece, people are just like, no, we have to physically be in the same room together. I don't know yeah. if you saw this, but was it? I think it's the Wall Street Journal that published or that sent an email round to all of their employees. of just like, this is what we expect from work from home. And they completely botched it, in my opinion, because it was like, you need to check in with your your manager. We need to know that you're working. We need to know that you're sat behind your desk. We need to, and it was like, oh boy, this is the perfect example that if you don't trust the employees you've hired, mm. you're in a really bad position because you shouldn't have hired them in the first place if you don't trust them. And work from home, I think for a lot of people right now, just means, oh, it's kind of like a holiday. It's a worthy day. I can just, you know, get all the stuff that I wanted to do. Whereas for you and I who are used to working from home, it's like, no, this is, this is a normal day where I'm not going to get the laundry done. Well, and I, a really good friend of mine, before everything kind of kicked off, we were out together for dinner last week and she has set like works in data yeah. and it's really challenging for her to focus when she is not behind her desk and like her norm, because she's not doing what you and I have done for years, right? Where you're, yeah. you're held responsible by your end client. You're, she's really like project oriented data 
And so for her, it's really difficult to like get the motivation to sit behind the desk and do the work that she would normally do from a nine to five in the office. And I think that's what I'm seeing a lot of people struggling with are people who aren't client facing, who are, they are project oriented, they're internal facing. That shift of not being with people in the office to do those kind of project driven positions is really challenging for folks from working from home. It's the self accountability piece. It's, I've noticed two things. It's like, can you hold yourself accountable? But the only way you can do that is if you focus on outputs rather than how you're getting the job done. And that's one of the things, the biggest things you say to managers of like managing people who are remote is you've got to focus on the output. Not did you see, you know, you tried to call and this came up in the Wall Street Journal. If you call, if we call you and you don't pick up within the first minute, we have a problem. And you're like, you kidding me? Like, so they can't take bathroom breaks because that's what happens when you work from home to you take a bathroom break or you'd go and walk out, you go and walk the dog or you go and get your lunch. It's. And in an office, you wouldn't say, hey, everyone, I'm about to go and take a bathroom break. So, you know, no. something. So for me, it's like the self-accountability piece is just fascinating to your point if you're not used to it. And the, like, I know there's a thousand tips and tricks on it. And you wrote a, a great piece, Tony, on how to work from home. But people really are yearning for like, how do I do this? Because yeah. if this is going to be my norm for three months, which that's what we're hearing now in the news, then how, like, how do you function and get out of this? Like, oh, I'll put the laundry in, I'll clean out the fridge and then I'll get back to my emails. Like the productivity level of folks who aren't used to working from home, it's it's coming down. And I know yeah. that there are a lot of people yearning to figure out how do I get increase that and get that back up. And it's interesting you say that because I that was one of the hardest things for me at the beginning was this doesn't mean that you're allowed to lie in. Yes, this time that you don't have to wake up as early as you might have because you're not actually, you know, driving to an office or you're walking somewhere. But if you don't get into that habit of wake up at 7 a.m. or whatever time you need to wake up, first thing you do is as if you had to leave the house, get in the shower, do all of that. You do. I've had days where I'm like, oh, it's 2 p.m. and I haven't showered or brushed my teeth yet. Great. Just got sucked into that whirlwind of work, reading the news, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I first started working from home, I remember like finding the tips and tricks and the ones that the one that has stuck for me is this candle concept. And so I have a work camp, like a scent for me of like when the candle is on and when the candle, because my problem is I can't turn off and you know this about me, right? Like I could get up at 5am and start working and not finish until midnight, right? Like it's just this constant stream. And so for me, I found myself really having a hard time closing the laptop and like actually going downstairs and cooking dinner versus like not being able to get into into work. And like they're both bad, right? Like there's there's pros and cons to both, but I really found it helpful of lighting a candle, having that be your scent, right? Like it's it's and it like builds habit. Yeah. And it builds habit, right? Like, okay, when I'm ready, like I'll go downstairs, I'll shower, I'll make my morning coffee, you know, do my normal stuff, read the news, great. And then when I come back upstairs to my office or I, if I stay downstairs in the dining room, I light that candle and we're like, yeah. right, we're away we go. Yeah, we're in the zone. I saw someone who sent, on, I think who shared on Twitter, the most amazing um, advice I've ever heard, which was find, especially for couples, it was like a pro tip for couples who find themselves having to both work from home, get yourself an imaginary co-worker to blend all the things on. So a shell keeps leaving the dishwasher open or shell keeps the eating all the biscuits. Like shell will have a sit, shell will have to have a sit that. And I was like, honestly, it's stupid, but this is the most brilliant tip ever. 
It's so funny. <laughs> so one of my co-workers actually, he, him and his partner are working from home right now and they've implemented a system of a sign that they put on the door of like, do not disturb when they are like deep work or on calls. And then you flip it to like open working hours <laughs> so that Love they it. can go in and interact with each other without like starting a massive row of like, you just walked in while I'm in the middle of an important call. <laughs> it's yeah. But you have to, like, if Tony, you've told me how many times about the divorce rates. Like, we have to figure out how to coexist in this new world. God. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I think that's the part that the, it's funny you bring up the divorce rates. God, I, it's, it's one of those of like the unattended, the unexpected, un, yeah, unexpected sort of side effects of this global pandemic. And for those of you who are wondering what, what it is that social just brought up there, but it, China was a little ahead of us in, you know, having to deal with the, the COVID-19 or corona, coronavirus. And like the world, I think for them is slowly getting back to normal. Quarantine has somewhat been lifted. And some of the smaller cities are seeing record high numbers of divorce requests in the weeks, you know, following this, which is just wild. And I guess, you know, think about also China is some of those cities, the spaces in which you can live are much smaller. So that's also something that I've realized of how lucky we are for those of us who have a house, have a garden. You know, speaking with my dad, I was like, you could all live on separate floors and enjoy life, which is has been a challenge for my husband and I right now. We're kind of stuck in Canada. We can come back to that, but where it's it's been tricky doing this in a tiniest of apartments. But the the China piece with the divorce rates cracked me up in in one way of just like oh we're just, we're all finding ways to have to live with each other and apparently they've actually run out of um, appointments to get wow. divorced. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just crazy. And, and but and the flip side of that, Tony, is that and I've had some of my friends at home back in London text me about this, like coworkers that were in the process of getting divorced and were still living with partners and. I also saw, and I um, can't remember who it was now, but a, a fantastic woman shared on Instagram about women in domestic violence situations having to now be in consult- in confinement with these yeah. situations. And there's a number of charities out there that are raising money for women who are in domestic violence situations and are now actually restricted to the home um, and figuring out ways and shelters that, that can be safe yeah. and also follow the, the CDC's guidelines. But there's so many, like, it's it's a trickle effect, right? Like, there's so many things that are impacted by these restrictions that have been put into place that are outside of the general CNN news, breaking news, press release, blah, 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 that we see every day. You and I talked about this because I think we both are subscribed to some of the same newsletters, but how this was going to hit the women this pandemic was absolutely going to hit the women, you know, hardest, even though bizarrely, the actual side effects of COVID-19 isn't hitting women as hard as it is hitting men for a variety of reasons, which I, I am not qualified to talk about. But on the sort of, you know, having to work from home, single mothers having to juggle, I mean, that's a whole thing of parents, like, no matter where you are at, having to that realization of, wait, I need to homeschool my kid now on top of doing my job. If you're a single parent, and if you're a mother, and you're a natural caretaker, like, those are hard things. I mean, having to do the dishes and the cleaning and all of that, all of that's expected. I had a moment of, why do I feel like I'm constantly cooking? Oh, because I'm cooking for two and I, I enjoy it. Like my husband does all the washing and I'm happy to do it. But I'm doing, I'm actually cooking three times a day now for two yeah. people, which had, an, you know, I was like, why do I feel like all of a sudden I've never felt like I've had to be cooking nonstop? 
There was one day earlier this week, and I, I kid you not, we had used every piece of cutlery and every plate and every glass in our house by the end of the third meal, inclusive of snacks. And it was just this like mountain of, it was like, oh my, ah. <laughs> but yeah. So no, that, the, Saoirse, is yeah. a perfect reminder, I think, for people who've never done working from home mm. and who are in this moment and go, and I've heard this and I've gotten quite annoyed about it. Oh, work from home isn't just for me. I'm just not productive. No one's, I think it's a good reminder that I think no one is productive right now. I am glued to the TV. I am glued to Twitter. I am normally a very productive person working from home and I am, my production levels are way, way down. So I, I don't know. I just feel like it's a moment of being nice and kind to yourself um, if you feel like you're not being productive because I don't think anyone is right now. Yeah, I, I've i got to say for me, this, like obviously everything kicked in on the, so I've had one week of like full con- confinement to my home and it for me was one of the like, most productive and busiest weeks I've had in in a while and that mainly because of a lot of the things that my company is doing and and the, like the intense development of of community that we want to try and build and, yeah. and foster for folks who are doing emergency response provisioning and so it's funny that you say that because for me this week has been like 7am to 10pm every day like cranking out whatever needs to be done and that's that's a uh, testament to who I am when it comes to like when I have a project that is extremely important like not being able to take myself away from it yeah Um, which is one of the dangers of of working from home it's just you never stop and potential of burning out or potential of never switching off mm -hmm. talk to me you mentioned um a word there that triggered something for me which is this whole idea of community building right now and uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and, and what you're working on specifically because I've read quite a few pieces in the last couple of days that kind of made me smile in a good way because there's this sentiment that's happening right now of kind of redefining um, social media. We seem to be re-educating ourselves around what it means to actually be social beings at a distance, what it actually means when we can't post pictures of us out and about on nice boats or on beaches or out with friends. And there's an aspect there of we've i'm personally getting a sense and it sounds like on the articles i'm reading that people are getting a sense of what the web was built for in the first place what social media was built for in the first place of actually being social beings and actually communicating with each other and connecting and building that sense of community so i'm I'm curious what what you're doing in that field there how you're thinking about it yeah so sunday was kind of the day that everything kicked off uh i'll say it for for me anyway in the in the u.s with restrictions coming into place in the state of Massachusetts and the state of New York, the completely inside and less uh, emergency provisioning in California trickled in this week. So from that, there was, you know, a company wide effort to provide the software that we use for free for emergency service provisioning. So that then trickled into what else can we do for the community? And that's manifested in a number of different ways. So one is specifically, how do you use software for emergency provisioning, right? So like, that was a big, big task. We we did that live on Friday of, of this week, just gone. And then next week kicks into specifically, how do you take your events from on the ground to digital? Because People who do fundraising, large galas, people who do micro donations, but are going door to door and canvassing people yeah. like 
the the essence of organizing tends to live in in person engagement, right? Like that's a whole component of of what we do. And so thinking about how to translate that to digital specifically for events, um, mm. that's been a huge focus of mine this past week. So we're kicking that off on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, specifically speaking to how do you organize your community digitally in this moment that may not actually be COVID-19? Because at the end of the day, you actually might be doing something else in the world. For example, domestic violence abusers, right? Like that there are so many other really key and important things that are still happening in the world that need to keep moving, right? Like and when you talk about women being impacted more so than men outside of the medical component of COVID-19, it's because women are being impacted socioeconomically, right? Like we are the social brunt and, and bearers of what's going to happen when we unfortunately will navigate into a recession post this, right? Like those the women will be the, the bearer of that. And so thinking about how do you continue organizing and continue engaging with your community is, is Thursday. And then finally story. And so storytelling and and understanding who you are and taking a minute to like actually listen, to actively listen, reflectively listen has been a practice that I've really, really enjoyed over the past like four and a half years. And so we decided to kind of take that internal practice at Nation Builder out and externally in the world. And so I'm going to be running weekly story groups with anyone who wants to join, whether you're in the Nation Builder Mm -hmm. ecosystem or not come and and have kind of a two hour dedicated place where you get to actively listen to eight other people's stories. It's a really, really powerful thing. The concept is called story circles. Uh, It's it's a mechanism or a building block in building what the FCE calls true community. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of what's happening for Mm -hmm. me, both in a professional and a personal space for over the next couple of weeks. Amazing. It's it's interesting you were talking about them. How do you actually use the tools and the software? And I don't know, there's been a, I love to use that term, but a level of arrogance that I've seen of, ah, easy. I can, you know, it's just getting a few people on, on a Zoom, you know, you know, how hard can it be? And I'm just like, oh, first of all, being a facilitator of like, what does it mean to actually invite strangers or 20 people or five people or 10 people into a group so that everyone feels safe everyone feels heard and seen it's like it's an art um so don't you know and tony you have first-hand experience with what you kicked off like i'd love to hear a bit more about what happened like why did you decide to kick off a happy hour and for those of you listening like tony hosted a, a happy hour with women earlier this week to just be in community so we'd love to hear about that tony and what went into that yeah i'm I'm happy to like I I saw a couple of happy hours being kicked off and I was like oh this is fun and I joined one that was fascinating and they decided to you know these two guys mostly in the like VC tech world decided to to run a couple and now they're running them I think maybe every evening and and I had this moment of this is nice but this is not actually community so their model is very different is whomever wants to join joins they they send out the 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 zoom link uh, and then everyone joins in and basically because they're very well connected, they'll bring one or two guests and it's kind of like a, a very informal fireside chat. They'll ask the guests a couple of questions. 
they got Zoom bombed, which is a new word that's being coined when, quite frankly, humans don't know how to set up the technology. So because it was accessible to all and available to all and the settings were done horrendously, anyone could start sharing their screen. And that's what people took advantage of. They came in and started sharing their screen of pornographic content. So that had to be oh. shut down. What pisses me off, Sosha, is that they started to blame the tech. And so there's a New York Times piece now out of, well, Zoom's going to have to figure this out. And I'm like, no, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. This is not tech's fault. The, first of all, Zoom was never built to be an externally facing social media thing where we can join. So that's the first thing that needs to be put out there. But I, you and I have been on, I was thinking about this the other day, easily, I think 500 to this day of Zoom meetings, whether it's with one person or easily. 100 people. I've never had pornographic content shared Ever. in my face. This has happened twice now. The last one was with The Information, which is a pretty big media mm -hmm. company. And again, I was like, this is not the tech's fault. So it's just fascinating how the stories are coming out of big tech companies are going to have to figure this new world. I was like, well, that's what I was talking about, the arrogance. So are the people who are setting this up. Long story short, it's like I was seeing all of this. And the piece that was missing for me was what does it actually mean to be in community rather than being which I also think is fine, but being a passenger and watching something play out, which I, all of the ones I've been to, apart from the Zoom bombing experiences, were very good and full of great content. And I'm part of a couple of women's groups, and I threw it out there to a couple of people of how would you feel about hosting a happy hour and just, you know, coming together and being, you know, let's have this be an experiment and let's just see what happens. And I kind of prepped for the absolute worst of no one showing up, which wouldn't be the worst thing, just being two people and me having to like facilitate a conversation, which is where I was like, please join, Sosha, because just in case we need two people in conversation for others to join in. But I was floored, Sosha. I was absolutely floored because I got about 100 people saying they were interested. I got 80 people, more or less rough numbers, say, please send me the invite, set up a quick website, send people the invite. Got about 45 RSVPs and had about, what was it, 36, 40 women show up. Yeah. And it's the least amount of facilitation I've ever had to do. Like, and I don't know if it's just because it was all women, but they just jumped in there of, hey, I've got a question. I need to ask something of this community. Oh my God, I can help with that. Tell me, look, tell me more. And I just, I had, I physically felt myself like being able to lean back in my chair and just mm. let let the community happen. It's just a fascinating experience. I'm also very grateful that it happened that way because I am still pretty much an introvert. And I was saying to my husband the day before, why am I doing this? This is horrible. This is my worst fucking nightmare. And he's like, I don't know. It sounds like you enjoy it. It's like, I hate this. This is so bad. But I don't know. You were there. Yeah. Kind of worked, I think. No, I think it, it was beautiful. And to your point of like women jumping in, it was, it was, it was, it was natural. I think is the best way to describe mm -hmm. it. Like people just naturally were able to share extremely vulnerably, be empathetic towards each other, offer assistance of, I, I remember someone talking about their specific job and, and being in sales and yeah. not knowing how right now to do cold outreach and feeling, you know, disgusted with yourself when you do, but know that you have to pay the bills at the end of the month. And that's right. Like it, and I think that's the thing for me when you have a, an entire female gathering, there is there is a level of comfortable that people like have in that moment. Oof. I, it's so interesting you said that because it just hit me now that I think I've taken it for granted 
Like mm. I've been in all women's spaces, like work, you know, worked at a company where it was, you know, led by women. We had women gatherings. So I can imagine how for some people it's like a breath of fresh air. Oh, great. Somewhere where I can just relax, be myself. But that's so rare, Tony. Like You're right. It's so rare. And I think that's, you know, that just feeling of like, oh, yeah, right. Like that's the thing I felt from, from that particular happy hour of just being in a group of women who no one, like, I think I was like walking my dog at one point, but there was no one judging the fact that, you know, you didn't have makeup on or you you didn't have your hair done or like whatever it was, you just were showing up to say like, Hey, this is crazy. (laughs) And, and showing up for different people means different things I mean I got a text from one woman who was like I put on a bra for this so I'm super I'm pumped I'm ready I slapped on some makeup and I put on a bra which I haven't in the last week and for me I had this moment of well I moved I'm I'm supposed to just be in Canada for a month we're stuck here for forever and I had some fun outfits and I was like well half of these outfits are never going to get worn because I'm in my house I was like I'm putting on the sparkliest glitterous thing I can wear so I was like and for others, it's just like, I, yeah, I'm in bed, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, but I'm still like that feeling of being able to show up, which we take for granted sometimes. Mm. So you're right, like that's safe space. It is, it's a safe space and it's being created intentionally to just have an open dialogue versus like, we're coming here to talk about these 15 things or these five things, right? Like yeah. it's intentionally an open conversation so that people can feel like they can interject, even if they don't have the most relevant thing to say in that moment. It's interesting because it's what I learned from that exercise of doing the, the, the happy hour, realizing this was an experiment. So I was like, I don't know where this is going to go. And I don't actually know what people need. And I got three things, three takeaways from that, which was, I'll talk about women in particular, but I think it was true for everyone of, I just need to hear voices and see faces because I'm a social being and work from home for me could mean that all my friends and friendships that I have are coworkers that I just don't interact with right now, all their friends that I just can't physically see, but I'm used to seeing many people and all of a sudden, and I think it took a couple of weeks for people to go from quarantine doesn't mean isolation it's just a different way of interacting and you and I spoke about this that being doing this remotely felt very natural for both of us because our friendship grew online basically we we I feel like we've been in the same physical space maybe a dozen times yeah not that much more not that much more Tony definitely not it's just so yeah but like for me as well my whole like the last eight years of my life have been virtual with my family and friends in the UK. Yeah, that's it. And I am very fortunate in that, like when we come into this moment now where everything is forced to be virtual, that there's no weird, like I I call people on FaceTime. I don't, I think, I can't remember the last time I actually rang someone, right? Like that's just how I operate. I need to see someone visually. Like that's what I want to, or how I want to interact with folks. And it's, it's so wild to me now that people having this moment of, oh, we can, we can do this virtually. It's like the software's existed for many, many years. For many years. <laughs> I mean, someone on our group on the happy hour mentioned, can I go and walk outside? And we yeah. had the, the amazing Jessica Yelling who came on to just share us what she's been hearing. And she was just like, yeah, absolutely go and walk. And she's like, well, can I go and walk outside with a friend? She's like, well, the social distancing, so you need to be six feet. And you and I were both like, we do this every day. We walk outside together. 
Mm-hmm. But we're just holding a phone and yeah, we might fall fall in a pothole or, you know, trip or, you know, walk on our exactly. dogs once in a while. But it doesn't poor animals. But it doesn't feel awkward. So it's gonna be inch I'm curious if you've got any thoughts of what the long lasting impacts of this is gonna be like. Do you have a feeling? And I mean no one knows, but I'm just curious of your gut check. Do you have a feeling that when the quarantine is lifted, everyone's gonna be like, Oh my god, thank God I can go back to the office? Or do you think people are gonna be like, Oh, that was interesting, work from home, a new way of living or friendships or I think for me, I have to bucket it, right? So there's going to be like the economic impact. And I think that might mean that offices turn around and say, we're saving money in rent. We know we can work from home. Yeah. And hit, and like, that's what that looks like moving forward. Then there's going to be the, the social butterfly-esque people that are like, finally, like, let's go and do this and this happy hour or whatever it is. And then I think in like a local community lens, there's been such an emphasis on small businesses. Yeah. Uh, and so I think there's going to be, or I hope at least that there's going to be a big shift in in how people interact with their local communities, businesses. And instead of obviously, you know, buying a gift card right now or, or doing the curbside pickup, actually going and, and being in those local restaurants um, and bars and, and shops, whatever it is. So I hope that that's a that's a positive impact that that comes out of this. But yeah, no one no one knows right now. Like yeah. no one knows. <laughs> so interesting. I keep flipping back and forth of people gonna. I have this vision that people are gonna love the nice internet that I feel we're living in right now, where people mm-hmm. are actually checking in and we're sharing human beings and community and. We're doing all of these great happy hours and fun events that's not geared towards what social media has become of look at me, look at how great my life is, but actually the realness. Um, I know that's a little bit utopian, but I have a feeling of that. I I do want to, like, the piece that you shared there, which I think is so important around the gift cards. Um, mm. For any of you who are, I shared this with you the other day, Sosha, but go to givelocal.co. And this was a really, really cool project set up by, I, I believe, two people in tech of how to help their local communities and how to help, to your point, the small bars, the small restaurants. And it's just to buy gift cards. So you can actually share restaurants that you know of who have got gift cards URL already or put their phone number and just you can actually input onto the website, which I find is really cool. I think it's only US at the moment. I've yeah. been in conversation to see if they can open it up to the rest of Europe. But we forget that gift cards are such a nice thing. You can buy it now, you're helping the business and you can redeem it whenever in 2020. You know? Yeah. And you've seen like there's, I think, always with, you know, times of war, epidemics, you know, natural disasters, you do get uh, some really nice stories about like humanity. And I've seen a couple, there was a woman in or a couple in Texas that left a nine and a half thousand dollar tip on like a $40 tab so that they could pay their staff, right? Like there's another one that left a $1,500 tip in New Mexico and that's that those are the things for me of like if if you can then share right like then share the wealth so that the recession doesn't hit as bad as as 2008 um and if you can afford if you could afford a nanny or you could afford to pay your your cleaning lady or if you could all of these services keep paying them like i actually spent one study and it sounds so basic if you're you still got your job and your income hasn't changed I actually think if you could afford them last week, two weeks ago, continue to pay them whether they've got, because these are people who don't have job security, who don't have 
healthcare who are not tied to unions. So there's something there as well. And I don't have the percentage, but I know it is very high, the percentage of domestic workers in this country that are women. Like back to that, the and women of ethnic backgrounds. Like that's the makeup of, of the domestic workers, especially in the US. So I won't speak for other countries. Yeah. And thinking about how you know, the trickle on effects of this post, you know, hopefully soon there is a, you know, a medicine in place, a vaccine in place, but it's the after effect and how that's going to impact women in particular. And I, you know, we should stay close to it and, and try and update and put it in as into our podcast as, as we continue to, to kind of go back to regular scheduled content. It felt important. To, I actually enjoyed talking about this. It's, it's, yeah. It feels important to name what's happening around us, but also just to share all of the stories that are coming out of this, the good, the bad, the, the, the problematic, the things that we should worry about. But remind me, Sosha, you're, you're, you're in Boston. Has it, has it, just before we leave, has, what's, what's it like in Boston right now? Are you in a lockdown or is it? No. No. Okay. So last Sunday, it went into mandatory closure for... Got, yeah. Uh, restaurants and bars and then the 10 person gathering limit came in on Tuesday and then what was the other one oh the well so and that's been hearsay right it's like apparently today we'll get an announcement from Governor Baker of official lockdown with uh, support from National Guard but you know it's four o'clock here and and nothing's come out yet so they might do a six o'clock press release like they did last weekend yeah and I, I'm, I'm in Vancouver right now and I haven't, there's, it's been weird here. It doesn't seem like, I know there's far few people, far fewer people than in America per square meter, but it doesn't feel as severe, although I, you know, went to Whole Foods and it was one per one um, being granted entry. Mm. I saw really cool news this morning about San Francisco that they we're managing to flatten the curve in San Francisco because apparently everyone is obeying by the rules of everyone's inside, no one goes out. And so even within just 48 hours, they've already seen how, it's, it's just interesting of how, Every city and country seems to be going about it differently. Well, and the, on CNN last night, they had the, the town hall, which, by the way, if folks are interested, they, they're doing kind of every other day a town hall with different experts. So it's, mm. it's actually really great. It's like a two-hour town hall. Wait, who's but they in the day? CNN. Okay. Yeah, CNN hosts it, and they bring in expertise from different areas, talking about economics, talking about medically, yeah. talking about enter in thing here they had mark cuban on actually with anderson cooper which was really good a couple of nights ago maybe monday or tuesday night but no so yeah so last night they had a reporter who was uh, on one of the the islands in georgia which is a very popular destination for spring break and he was literally and like i had i have just haven't seen that visual in like a week but he was standing on the corner of like a broad walk like a main street and it was bumping i mean like restaurants packed patios full beaches full kids like whooping and like having like uh what are those like flower necklaces and it was and it was crazy because he was literally just like you know obviously this the governor of georgia has not you know mandated anything yet like should that the question was basically should there be a federal response to this yeah and we've seen kind of what trump's presentation of that is is that it's up to each individual state and to your point about San Francisco, right, if we're seeing this work, why can't we have a federal mm-hmm. mandate? And I know, obviously, there's a you know separation of power, there's you know federal versus state, 
people in rural, you know, Idaho may not be impacted by this, right? Same in Nebraska and whatever it is, but, and, and there probably isn't a one size fits all solution, but there has to be something done about these kids, right? Like, and it's not just kids. The, the guy on CNN was saying like, there's families out here. There's 70 year olds out here just like hanging out. It's, it's not just the, the millennial and Gen Z population, which have been absolutely battered in the news this week for, for going out to bars and whatever. Um, that feeling of them being, that the feeling that I remember having of being invincible when you're 20. This not, this doesn't affect me. This has got nothing yeah. to do with me. And yeah, the media has a role to play in that. The media has, a, the media has a role to play in the invincible component where it was like, if you're 20, you don't have anything to worry about was like a, a headline for like a week prior to us going into shutdowns across the US. So yeah, I, it, that just really fascinated me in Georgia of like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. But the borders piece is fascinating to me and just I can't help put it in obviously in a European lens where there's a couple of stories that have been coming out how the free movement of goods and people right now in Europe is actually not helping this because obviously people can easily go from one country to another without without being question without having to show your passport, but also the reason why the European Union was created and has rules and regulations in place is because there's a very well-known sentence that pandemics don't know borders. So it's no use trying to solve this at a border type level. So per per state, per country, it's not going to work because pandemics don't know borders. They are going to, you know, they are going to go beyond the borders. So it's 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 going to be interesting to see how how this is solved for Mong. Yeah. And that I mean, just needs a global triggered for it. me, Tony, they're like the, you know, the 22, 24 year olds that are in Georgia on an island, when they come back to Illinois or to Massachusetts or to California, that's where the spread will happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the impact that I think we just need to figure out. So yeah, with that, stay at home, everyone. <laughs> stay at home and listen to this podcast. Um, or any other podcast but start with this one but Um, ours (laughs) but ours stay safe everyone well seriously you too Tony right back at your social hi everyone and this week it's my turn to close out this fun episode thank you so much for everyone who's listening in who's been continuing to listen in who's just joined us on this wackadoo journey you can always follow our adventures at www.unapologeticwomen.co and you can also find us on instagram as well which is unapologetic women podcast is that the only places we are Sorsha? yes are we anywhere else no i should send the places I? that matter Oh, look the at world that. Wide web, the World Wide Web. Instagram. <laughs> Soon maybe TikTok one day if we don't get any older. <laughs> All that to say, thank you ever so much and see you next week.